So, welcome to the Scarlet Watch, Bewitched by One Division. Um, I'm Paul, as always, and I'm here with Liz. Hello. <laughs> good to see you again, Liz. How are you? Uh, swell. How good, are you? Good. Uh, are you basking in the glow of another great episode of One Division? I am. I am. Yeah. Wow. Uh, <laughs> good one. <laughs> Look at that enthusiasm, folks. Look at it. <laughs> Uh, we're going to talk all about it. Um, we've had a few theories and comments from people today via sort of Twitter and uh, uh, some messages I got sent. So we're going to talk about those later in the show. Um, I do just want to say thanks to everyone for tuning in with this so far. We're really enjoying doing it. We are, of course, coming to the last couple of episodes now. Um, so, uh Yeah. I don't know how you're going to feel that gap in your lives when we're gone. However, if you go to elsewhere in the YouTube channel now, there are um, a couple of extra episodes. There's um, from panels to pictures, episode three, where Keith and I talk about Superman and Lois based on the trailers there. There is also a brand new episode of Scripts and Pencils, which has our comic creator show, um, which is you know, move to video the same way all our shows are, are now doing. Um, and that is an interview with Hoyt Silver and Doug Wagner, all about their new Kickstarter, uh, Yumi Spy Fatale, Baddie Royale. It's a comic I highly recommend. There's a link in the description box so you can um, uh, commit to that, that Kickstarter. It's well worth doing. The comic is great fun. Uh, they let me have an early sneak peek. Also, unlike other Kickstarters, the comic is completely finished. So once they've got their money, the comic gets printed and sent out to you. So, um, which is a very unusual thing for Kickstarters. Anyway, Liz, Paul. what an episode. <laughs> it's a big um, one. Yeah, it was a big one. I mean, finally, after all this time of uh, uh, things happening, um, I was talking to Paul Taylor, who is one of the patrons for the website, um, and uh, also kind of one of our, our, you know, very great supporters. He, he always kind of messages us every week and things. And he was saying that he he's really enjoying One Division, but he wished it would go a little slower. Um, I think he, he didn't want it to move as fast into the MCU hardcore MCU stuff as it has done. Um, obviously, I don't think this week's going to make him feel any better, really, because <laughs> we're we're kind of pell mell into it. Um, now, I, I mean, straight away, we're picking up from last week's episode with the expansion of the hex, and, and one of the things that really struck me right away was just how brutal that experience felt like because you get that hard cut from Wonders, really quite kind of mediocre to camera chatting, um, you know, as, as with the style of Modern Family. I don't know if you guys have seen that show. I'm sure you have, Liz. Yeah. Um, into the kind of screaming panic of of the hex expanding. And you realise what a horrific event that must have been for people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even watching it at the end of the last episode, you could see that. Um <laughs> And, you know, and, and how many people got swallowed up by it and, uh, and you know, just how much more um, Wanda has sort of had to strain herself to to do it and expand the yeah. world and, you know, contain the world, which we start to see the after effects from. 
during this episode. It, it also made me think, in a way, that it was like a meta-commentary on the nature of the artificial sitcom world in the show versus the the real world and how abruptly those things sit when, when viewed through the, the kind of uh, lens of of sword and things like that um but but also on on kind of comics versus reality i i kind of think that in the real world if we had superheroes we'd be utterly terrified really (laughs) we wouldn't go like you know definitely the marvel you know the mcu has touched on more than once you know certainly in civil war um and you know and in you know infinity war you know you get you get you know, commentary on that um, fairly early on, um, Mm. you know, in the films and everything. And I think that, yeah, that definitely applies here. Yeah, I I just think we, I'm not sure how I'd feel if I saw people flying down the street or, you you know, I'd probably be terrified, to be honest with you. Um, And as fascinating and as interesting as I find it when I sit there and flip for a good superhero comic, the, the actual thought of people whose abilities kind of push beyond normal boundaries does freak me out a tiny bit and and speaking of freak outs we're now getting these kind of freak outs and power glitches from wonder where she seems to be losing control as you as you pointed out um yeah it has to do with um with the fact that she's now expanded the hex and she's now got you know however many more hundreds of people that she has to control you know, and her magic, uh, you could see in the last episode, you know, was already kind of strange to the point where the people on the outskirts of town were were not moving. Like, you know, they were, you know, just kind of frozen in place. And, you know, now she's got however many more people that she has to sort of be subconsciously controlling at all times. And um, it's I, my take on that was that it is strained her powers to the point where she's glitching. Mm. Um and she's just kind of deflated at this point too, you know. Uh, she's kind of just gone, you know. What's the point of it all? Um, and you know, is having like this existential crisis uh, where she just wants to lie on her couch and eat cereal. I, I do like a couple of things that that come out of that. Is one, I do really believe her when she says that she doesn't have answers, right? Because increasingly, and especially once you get to the end of the show, you really kind of realise. Hmm. Okay. You you really don't know, do you? You're not. This isn't all you. And also, one thing I noticed about the freakouts is if you look at them, the video games, the the furniture, the milk bottle, everything regresses. Everything goes backwards. Um, and I guess in a way, that could be kind of talking about yes obviously uh, she's she's kind of moving back to a more comforting period in the hex when everything seemed like she was in control when we had the i love lucy episode at the beginning but you could also take it as a kind of regression of her growth as a human being do you know what i mean like she's kind of pulling back from from being able to cope with the grief and and that made me think of sort of the last week's episode where uh she was saying to the kids about sparky and and things like that so i mean i I think there's definitely a sign that she really is heading for 
you know, there's going to be something big. Yeah, like a reckoning. I explode. mean, you know, that's sort of, I mean, I think uh, that's sort of happened in a way. As soon as the vision sure. kind of saw through the veil and confronted her and set out to find out what was really going on, I think, you mm. know, at that point, it really started to unravel for her. And at this point, you know, she doesn't even want him to interfere. She's literally setting up physical roadblocks to keep him from interfering oh. or having to face the music at least, you know, is having she? to have another confrontation with him. Is she? Uh, <laughs> this is the big question. To, yeah, to great comedic effect, uh, you know, I mean, that because all of this stuff, I mean, you know, Wanda, you know, just sort of giving up and wanting to lie around in her pajamas all day and telling the kids she doesn't have any answers. That was very funny, too. You know, it's all played for laughs, but you know. And and of course that that more than anything kind of I think really speaks to us now, given the the sort of situation we're we're all in. You know, a lot of people are coping with different levels of grief and and this sort of terrible kind of oppressive feeling that the world has has taken. Um, I, I was also looking at things like I started noticing things like Wanda's bedspread. I know this is this is kind of off, but the pattern on it is a hexagonal shape. It's a set set of hexagonal shapes, and if you start to look at some of the ornaments and things and vases that are in the house, they all kind of take on these angular, slightly hexagonal shapes, and it kind of feels like to me that she's being psychologically bombarded with you know, constant visual reminders to keep everything concentrate on the hex on in that area, um, which, you know, again, speaks to kind of what happens at the end, which we'll get to, we'll get to. Um, but, you know, it kind of grounds her constantly in that, that place. Yeah, that and whether place, that's her that or whether that's, you know, somebody else. Mm. Um yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I think that uh, although I didn't actually notice that myself, like you know, I I absolutely believe it because um, you know the attention to detail and stuff. Sure. Uh, in in the show is great, you know, uh, like just loads of little subtleties like that that you know you can pick up on if you want to, but you don't have to, mm. you know. Um, but that's, uh, yeah, that's that's a neat little observation. And I, I, I mean, they could just be production design things, um, but I, I'm kind of look, trying to look at it from the point of view of, of Wonder and, and the other characters. Um, and the, all this is just before we get to the credits as well. You know, it, um, I can't remember which twin is which. Billy says that his his head is noisy, and he, he kind that's of right. Yeah, he's the one who had like you know essentially Wanda's powers. Mm. So he's kind of picking up on her inner turmoil. Yeah. Uh, now, did you take that as, as he's picking up a, as, on her inner turmoil or that he's picking up on the town that maybe because he's just a kid, he's more uh, empathetic than the Wanda is at this point? Uh, well, yeah, it could be the town. It, it definitely is Wanda, too. Um, you know, when he, you know, by contrast, you know, when Agnes comes and collects them and takes them over to her house, he, he says, oh, I like it here because it's quiet. Mm. Mm. So she's either blocking her thoughts from him 
or yeah. it's, you know, she's just, you know, doesn't have the kind of inner chaos that Wanda does because she's quite happy with the mm. turn of events. And, and, and of course she does actually say to Agnes, you're quiet inside, which is, is quite a, a um, chilling moment, really. Right. Like it's quite creepy. Uh, and and with purpose and and that's before we get to the credits and when we do get to the credits what's interesting is of course vision is entirely absent from them apart from the very end where we see his name and it's just wonder 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 and it shows a level i think i mean in in grief sometimes there is a level of self-absorption because you're not just wallowing in your grief you're wallowing in your your yourself you know um, and I'm not casting I judgment. Also, yeah, I mean, I, I can see you you commenting on that level, but I also took it to mean that she feels like she's alone now. Yeah, you know? okay. That's, that's interesting, yeah. Yeah, that basically, you know, now that she, Vision's kind of seen through the construct, you know, she doesn't have him as an ally anymore, mm. really. But, and, and there's the thing like, like the mug, I love Wanda, and it, it makes me think that she's quite happy to be alone well, because, you know, she, she doesn't want to confront him. She doesn't want to face yeah. the music. And he will make her face the music. Um, and she, she, of course, gets rid of the children uh, first uh, chance she gets. Like, you know, as soon as Agnes turns up and offers to take them, bang. And, of course, Agnes herself make, starts making these very kind of pointed allusions to Wanda's mental state. You know, she she implies that she's cracked and like mentally she's gone. Well, she even uh, says like you know in in like a cutaway, she's just like, well, well how do you tell a ten year old that his mom's cuckoo for cocoa puffs? Like, I I, I loved you know um, because it's it's using that um, kind of very, I guess what we think of as a very branded American language. Um, you know, it's a it's the language of pop culture, um, which on the surface is is quite benign, but actually, when you get down to it, it's all about manipulation. Because you know, buy this product, look at this thing, you want this thing, buy this thing, keep buying this thing, and and what you're really buying into is this mindset that, that wonders cracks, and of course, maybe she actually hasn't, um, <laughs> as we see as we we, we carry on. But and now also the broadcast has stopped, so uh, the show is no longer on to the outside world, but it's on as far as Wonder's concerned, which is again kind of a an interesting thing. Um, you know, if it, if a show goes out and no one watches it, did it really go? <laughs> you know, like did a tree fall in the woods? If a tree falls in the woods, did it really fall? Uh, and one thing I noticed. That, that Steph actually pointed out to me, and I, I can't remember if you mentioned this in one of the earlier episodes. When we go from uh, inside the hex to outside the hex, or vice versa, the image changes ratio. So when you're outside the hex, say for any of the sword sequences, the screen is letterboxed. Um, right. Okay. Once, no, I didn't actually. And once didn't you move inside, you go to that kind of TV ratio where it's full frame. Um, um, and Steph kind of picked up on it in the scene where Vision wakes up. She went to me, "Oh, it's." She went, "The ratio's changed." And I went, "What are you talking about?" She went, "Look, the ratio's changed." So I had to rewind and kind of. 
Ah, right. Yeah, I mean, see, yeah, little details like that, you know, it's like you're mm. subconsciously picking up on them, if not, yeah. you know, um, just consciously doing so. Yeah, and I didn't, but uh, but it makes, you know, makes perfect sense. Um, but and also that scene where Vision awakes, he, he wakes up and he's surrounded by people in, in funny costumes, which, you know, I'm sure is a kind of comment on... <laughs> <laughs> being part of a superhero team um but and i really liked and darcy is still chained to the car poor right, darcy yeah. yeah i mean you know and she, she <laughs> really virtually hasn't changed at all you know where when wanaka first went in she did like a full-on personality shift yeah. but darcy's basically just darcy just she, she just can't quite remember why she's there which i, I loved i loved her costume and, and, and stuff like that i thought that stuff was great um yeah, all the stuff with Vision and Darcy, like, just yeah. had it cracking up, you know. I mean, uh, you know, she, oh, yeah, like, I, you know, I'm, I'm fine, I'll go out with you, but I'm getting the lobster. Like, uh, and, Yeah, and it's pray, it's played like a meet you, you know, like, where he, where he talks to her about being outside the hex the night before, and, and he says, we, we had a moment, you know, and I really like that. And I've got to say, I really loved um, Paul Bettany's acting this week. I mean, I, I always do, but I really thought... Because you know, there was those scenes where he's doing the the, the sort of modern family style to camera. Talks oh, yeah, those were but that that had me cracking up. That, you yeah, know, and he's doing physical things so like funny. scratching ears that he doesn't have. Like right. he's kind of, and it's just like well, you, don't, <laughs> you don't have hair. Uh, <laughs> um, and also that scene where he wakes up around around you know, and he's they, they've turned the sword. Um, station into a circus and there's clowns and people in stupid costumes it also made me think of the first moment he wakes up in Age of Ultron and and of course he's surrounded by people in weird costumes and mm -hmm. he doesn't quite know what's going on and well, and who he is and so I, I, I felt that was kind of like a nice um, callback to that but you know, I, I think this episode kind of gets more um, sinister and awesome as it goes. Like, still a lot of stuff. Were you disappointed, uh, jumping ahead to to Rambo and um, uh, Wu, that we didn't get to find out who this aerospace engineer is? Like, that really... Well, Maybe maybe it's unimportant. Maybe it's just something yeah. that we like are placing too much importance on. To be honest, with the pace of the episode, I didn't even think about it twice. Yeah. Uh, you know, I actually just kind of breezed right past that. If it turns out to be important, you know, because we have speculated about it a little bit, and it yeah. could be like a big reveal, or it could be nothing. I'm starting to think that a lot of the things that I, you know, a lot of my big like bets about, you know, who was really yeah. behind it might just you know, be me overreaching at this point, sure. like, you know, uh, due to the big reveal at the end of the episode, I'm, I'm mm. kind of thinking, okay, some of these, you know, sort of big bads I had in mind might really not be a factor at all. It might be a lot simpler than that, you know. Well, even Tayona Paris was out there in the press going, oh, there's going to be a big cameo this week. There's a big, there's a big cameo coming. And it's just like, is, is there though? Like, where, where is it? Where is it? Um, maybe she meant a big reveal. I mean, you know, rather than a cameo, because there was a big reveal, but I don't think there was a big cameo. No, I, I, I didn't think there was. Um, and, you know, we, we see her attempt to go in back into the hex 
um, which yeah, I, I kind of, you kind of knew it was all going to go wrong, but I, I was really pleased when it did go wrong. And of course, Monica then decides to go through herself. Um, and, and I loved that moment as well with her and Wu kind of looking at each other across the field and she just decides I'm going. And he's like, oh, no, don't do it, don't do it. Um, I wasn't necessarily expecting Photon to become part of the show this early on. Like, I, I thought it would be one of the things, like, you'd get a post-credit sequence at the end. I thought so maybe yeah. too, but, you know, I'm, mm. I'm actually just totally fine with it as well. Yeah. Because it's like, you know, I think Monica, you know, is there. She's one of the few people who really genuinely wants to help Wanda. And Wanda needs somebody like that in her corner, you know, if she's going to be able to kind of snap out of it. And having her be someone powerful uh, certainly doesn't hurt. Yeah. Um, and it's weird that you kind of, you're now down to a kind of no, another, or you think you're going to get a sort of hero versus hero face-off. Um, but you, you kind of don't. That gets negated. Um, but I, I was really kind of, I really loved that moment where, where Monica breaks through and she's, she's hearing all the things from her past. She's hearing Danvers. Um, and there was that weird illusion that the, um, um, Sergeant, was it the Sergeant from Sword Maid where, uh, Monica says to her, oh, you know, I'm, I'm glad there are still people who are loyal. And she says, you know, you're not the only one we're loyal to. And I didn't quite, did you, did you have any kind of inkling of what that meant? Because I, I, I mean, didn't. Uh, at the time, I took it to mean that she had been loyal to Maria Rambo. Right, right. Okay. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe I, you know, that, that was what my takeaway, but it could be somebody else that they're referring to. Yeah. Like I, I was just really kind of, unsure and and you know we still have that thing with with rambo and and wanda where wanda can't quite bring herself to to zap monica she can't kill her and she won't so there is that sense that something is wrong and and that perhaps wanders and, and she she says you know maybe i am the bad guy and it's just like ah <laughs> okay um did you have any inkling then that we were going to get the reveal of the person who's very probably so. I thought this was going to, you know, from early in the episode, I was like, mm, I think this could be the episode because <clears throat> Agnes comes over, she takes the twins and, mm. and, you know, almost right away, you kind of just see that, you know, I think, you know, Wanda opens the door by snapping her fingers and Agnes just freezes on in and, you know, uh, sort of so much of the pretense has kind of fallen away between them that, you know, when uh, Agnes shows up to take the twins and then she brings mm -hmm. them over to her house and, you know, just the interplay between them and some of the comments she makes. I mean, she's, you know, making cracks, you know, oh, I'm not going to bite you. Um, well, actually, I did bite a child. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of it has taken on this kind of darker tone, even though she's still, you know, very funny throughout the episode. She's kind of just blatantly, like, quite dark at this mm. point. You know, there's something quite obviously sinister about her. And, and especially, especially when she comes over and interrupts um, the the showdown between Monica and Wanda. 
mm-hmm. and pulls Wanda away. It was like at that point it became really obvious. Like, you know, I was like, mm, okay, you're gonna, you know, when when you come back to her house and the twins aren't there and you just see their half-eaten sandwiches, it's like, okay, yeah, this is happening. Mm. And also, like, the, the, there was the little rabbit, which, you know, you know, the, the rabbit out of a hat and all that. And it, it's, um, the, she just is very sinister. And, and and the shooting style changes as well, because we, we get the kind of modern family style stuff um, all throughout the episode. But then it shifts to a much more kind of jagged, alert sort of, you know, style, very skittish. And I, I love that. And, and you know, it's all people seen through half open doors and things. And um, th- like the basement stuff was great. Oh, like, yeah. I mean, that was so yeah, cool. Um, you know, you kind of and, and like it didn't feel unnatural either. It's like, you know, yeah, she just goes down and you're in this dark witchy layer basically mm. uh, and at that yeah. moment i was like okay if there you know there's going to be a reveal here and i wasn't sure if it was going to be the reveal of one or two characters basically right so you know i think if we had you know it, i could still be wrong you know because all this time i've kind of been like oh, okay well you know i think they're going to build up to mephisto um Okay. I was expecting it to either be Agatha and Mephisto standing there um or one or the other. Right. Do you think now we can rule out uh Emma Caulfield as well not not uh, not Mephisto but can we rule out Emma Caulfield as Mephisto cuz she pops up for a tiny moment. Yeah, I know. We haven't off. seen her for several episodes and we did yeah. actually see her this week. Um, so no, I would not say we, I'm not going to rule out anything, but, um, where I was kind of hedging my bets a little more strongly in the direction of like Mephisto being like a really big, you know, the big, big bad. Uh, I'm now kind of thinking that with two episodes left, it seems like this was their big reveal. I could be wrong. There could be another one coming, but it feels to me like, you know this is their rug pull, especially saying that, you know, I mean, if you, if you listen to, you know, the lyrics of the great little song that they gave her at the end, uh, it was her all along. So it's probably not somebody else all along too. I I absolutely loved that. I I thought that was great. Um, Perfect. Yeah. Brilliant. I mean, I love Catherine Hahn sort of vamping it up um, and, and the kind of wink, wink, nudge, nudge nature of it. Um, and, and just the end of the song with Sparky, that was oh, yeah, brilliant. I know, yeah, it's like, um, it's like the Wizard of Oz, <laughs> <laughs> um, great. Oh, and and how, how was how was uh, the other witch killed in Wizard of Oz? Didn't someone drop a nice suburban house? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like I love that, uh, and I I feel kind of completely satisfied now that's been revealed in terms. Yeah, of- I thought they did such a great job with it. I thought it was like you know, even though like people were talking about it from episode one, they kept you in just enough, you know, sort of 
doubt and suspense that, you know, it was still this really satisfying reveal that you didn't feel like, yeah, okay, well, I knew that was going to happen. It's like, yeah, okay, I did know it was going to happen, or at yeah. least I highly suspected it, but it was no less satisfying for that. And also, one thing that comes out of that makes me kind of think retroactively, did, were all those times that Wonder's powers wouldn't hold on in certain situation episodes, not Wonder failing, but Agatha failing to right interfere yeah like you know or at at times when it seemed that you know Wanda's powers were succeeding it could have been Agatha interfering you know Mm. it it seems like a lot of it was just her manipulating things beside you know behind the scenes and we don't really know how much was her and how much was Wanda I mean we can see very clearly that like you know Pietro, if you know, if we're gonna still call him that, if it yeah. could still be him somehow or other, um, showing up with 100% Agatha, um, mm. and you know, and and probably lots of other things, you know, certainly, you know, a lot of the mind wiping of various residents of the town. We see her do it to Herb next door when she has that conversation with him, mm. that where they both seem kind of quite conscious of the fact that, uh, that Monica doesn't belong there and things like that. <laughs> and also um, in those scenes, if we, if we flash back to that episode with Herb, she, she was hinting that Wanda was dangerous or was the person in control. And you can constantly see that manipulation of trying to push other people into thinking there's, right. you know, um, and you begin to see that everything has been kind of her, her manipulation, not, not wonder, which is, is kind of an interesting way to go. Now, does it also before we jump to the, the final credits, sort of mid-credit scene? Um, does it also then cast doubt on what Sword might have been doing with Vision? Because we've assumed that Hayward is a bad guy and wants to somehow uh, uh, resurrect Vision as a weapon for him or for sword. But I, I don't know now, although Monica's jumping to that conclusion, I'm now not so sure. Although there is another theory that I came across, that I think we've, we talked about sort of in, in, in messages and stuff where Hayward might be vision, uh, not vision, um, Ultron. Which is yeah, so why don't you break of, that down? Like, you know, why don't you explain how that so could work? Apparently, there is, there is an episode of the Avengers Assemble cartoon series where Hayward or a character well, I, I, there is no up. Hayward in any of the other lore, right. so I think it would probably just okay. have to be an agent who, yeah. could, you know, it is revealed to be Hayward. yeah, right. is revealed to be Ultron in disguise. Um, and if you look at the the Credits of One Division on IMDb. James Spader is listed as the voice of Ultron. Now, right. whether that means we're just going to get a flashback at some point, I don't know because I, I don't think we've had any flashbacks featuring Ultron, or if we've we've had him, we've we've not heard him. Um, but I wonder if we're going to get something before the end. I mean, it would be super cool, like, you know, whether or not it's Hayward um, or something, like, just anything, um, yeah, like, you know, that would bring Ultron back into the mix somehow Mm. would pretty much, yeah, blow my little mind, you know, and 
Um, yeah, I mean, it, just the nature of WandaVision being like, you know, ostensibly a TV show, you know, it makes it something that Ultron could infiltrate. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so, you know, whether it's whether it's Hayward and, you know, it would actually, okay, you know, would kind of make sense if it was Hayward. You know, he's the head of a sentient weapons program. Ultron is the ultimate sentient weapon, you know. <laughs> so, I don't know. And he, I think it was his, I, I can't remember exactly if, uh, if they kind of established that it was his idea to rename it sentient weapons program. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of think they did. Mm. Um, you know, in maybe episode two or something like that, or um, whichever episode, uh, no, it would have been more like five or something, which, you know, after the reveal of Monica being Monica. Mm. Yeah. Um, I'll have to maybe go back and just like, you know, check out the language of that conversation, yeah. but. A any excuse to rewatch an episode, right? I mean. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I get my facts straight. Yeah. Although I think kind of everything's moving so fast and the anticipation for uh, um, Falcon and Winter Soldier mm. is, is coming up on us so fast that um, I, I, I really think there's very little time to go back and re-examine stuff. You just kind of have to do it on the fly. I know, yeah. I mean, like, you know, and I, I empathise with uh, Paul Taylor's, you know, sort of uh, feeling that it, it, you know, it does move at this breakneck pace. Um, sure. You know, every episode is like just feels so jam packed with action. Um, but I, you know, for for me, that's not a problem. Like I, you know, because I think that uh, you know, my my anticipation at the end of every episode is just like you know through the roof to find out what is going to happen next, and mm. to fit all that story into nine episodes, you know, to me that's that's pretty impressive. And you know, especially when you're balancing. This whole, you know, this uh, the sitcom part of it mm. as well, and managing to do that successfully per episode, you know, it means a yeah. lot of real, you know, plot mechanism stuff has to move pretty quickly under the surface of that. So, I, I think we're now. I, I think the sitcom stuff is is gone now, and like obviously that's going to be the end of that because obviously if that's a if that's a if that's an affectation of wonders. And Wanda is now imprisoned by Agatha um, in, in a very obvious prison. Like, that's it. We're not going to get that anymore. And it's going to be purely in, in sort of eight and nine about tying up the plot and, and making the move into getting her out there. Now, I mean, there is one indication that comes from this, which is that perhaps we know that, that the Scarlet Witch is going to turn up in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Could she be the villain? Like well, I mean, the Scarlet Witch is, you know, she's one of those characters, you know, mm. flip-flops from being a good guy to a bad guy, you know, same as Quicksilver. Um, you know, like they they've always been characters that could kind of fall into either camp. And usually, usually, like, you know, they kind of wind up always going back to being, you know, good guys, mm. Avengers, etc. But um, I'd like that quality of them where you you know when when wanda asks in the episode you know well what if i am the bad guy it's like well yeah you could be <laughs> you know and and that wouldn't contradict who she is as a character um yeah, totally. so, I think it's yeah. An entirely, 
entirely possible and, and actually might make a, an interesting um an interesting movie and certainly an interesting antagonist for doctor strange because you know they don't or at least so far they don't really they haven't really had much contact um and it, it might be fascinating to see wonders kind of artificially induced magic go up against you know real magic and and, and see what happens um, I mean, well, not artificially induced, but, you know, it, it kind of is because it, although it came from the um, one of the stones, it, it was, you know, part of Strucker's experiments. How did you feel about this week's uh, Nexus ad? Okay, so now this is an interesting one. Um, this was the first one where I actually had to Google um, because, like, so, yeah, I yeah, actually, like, Nexus, like, you know, as far as, like, my knowledge of Nexus, it's like a Steve Rue Dark Horse book. You know, I was like, oh, okay, that's the only Nexus, like, you know, comics thing that I really know of. Uh, whereas, you know, so I had to Google like Marvel, Nexus, what is it? Um, and, you know, so and it is kind of, you know, um, what I expected in a way, which is, so there's like two different um, things it could be referring to, mm. um, which, you know, one of them, uh, would be like, you know, basically the nexus of, you know, all realities and universes in, okay. you know, in the Marvel universe. So, you know, it pretty much what it says on the tin, you know, uh, the place where, you know, that, that all that meets. Um, but that could, you know, there's also what could be referred to as like a nexus being, um, which is kind of the personification of that. So somebody who has the power, who's so powerful that they, they basically can change the fundamentals of all universes wow, and okay. rewrite reality. So somebody like Wanda. So that is what I, yeah, that that's what that commercial sort of alludes to as far as what, you know, what it could be, you know, alluding to in the Marvel universe. Um, but a lot of what the sort of product was, was really, you know, just Wanda. Yeah. So it's, you know, it was an antidepressant basically saying, yeah, you know, yeah like, you know, so side effects include having to face, you know, face your fears, <laughs> confront your, you know, problems, uh, et cetera, et cetera. You know, uh, all the things she doesn't want to do. And apparently there is a, there is, Within the Marvel U, a, 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 a reality altering drug called Nexus. I, oh, from okay, so I that understand. I don't know. Um, I, I could be could be getting that wrong, but um, I've got that from from uh, Matt Oakley, who I was chatting to earlier today. So Matt came up with a couple of interesting things, mm -hmm. just like. Um, now, apparently, Nexus pops up in Deadpool Killustrated. Okay. Um, For the drug, you mean? Yeah. Okay. It, it came, All right. it sort of came out in the early 70s, and then it, it doesn't really get picked up again until, until Killustrated. Unless there's someone who knows the, the Marvel U. Obviously, there'll be loads of people that know the Marvel mm -hmm. Universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, anybody who knows, do, but like, not... you know, kind of more about the drug, uh, do tell, because... Yeah, uh, it, it, it's just that it pops up in Dead, Deadpool Illustrated, mm -hmm. and I think was originally from the uh, early seventies. 
So that's from Matt Oakley today. Um, thank you for that, Matt. He also had a suggestion of the man thing, which I'm I'm was ready and and I kind of was like, oh, can you like because I'm a Marvel dummy? Can you explain to me? And he said, oh, it's just my kind of extrapolation from looking at a basement and the way it's laid out and all the vines and things. It just yeah, yeah, yeah. It made me really think kind of like Marvel equivalent to Swamp Thing. You yeah. Know? So, um, uh, which I like. I, some, I thought it was just kind of her weird witchy layer down there. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like I, I'm, I'm open to anything. Like in, in terms sure. of, yeah. I, mean, I don't think we're gonna see Man Thing. That's you know, no. uh, like I, as much as that would be cool. Um, and I can see where he would have gotten that from all the sort of branches and vines yeah. and everything down there. Um, I, I think you know at this point it seems unlikely that they're going to throw some left field character into the mix in yeah. the final two episodes. But at, at, okay. least, at least in any kind of fully formed way, I, I think we'll get we might get hints or because you you just don't know that. Like I think everything's kind of up for grabs. Um, and I also heard last night from from Dan Bussey, who was a regular all when we worked there, lovely guy. Um, so hello, Dan, and thank hello, you for getting in touch. Yeah, um, we, we do miss kind of seeing you every week because you, you always used to guarantee see Dan Bussey on a Saturday. He used to come in and get his comics. And, mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, and Matt Oakley as well. Hi, Matt. Yeah, and Matt. Like, like, yeah. I, I, I feel very lucky that I'm still managing to keep in touch with people and they, they kind of still say hello and, and are kind of watching what we're doing on the Comic Crush and, and watching the YouTube channel. Dan was saying that he's really looking forward to the next episode, which will be this one. Hi, Dan. Um, <laughs> So um, thank you for that. He thinks that Hayward, that because of Nexus, he thinks that Hayward and Agatha may actually kind of be ancillary antagonists and that there's someone, you know, there's still, as you, as you kind of feel that there's another big bad to come. Um, so I'll be curious to kind of see if that matters. Right. So I mean, I guess like, you know, if we're if we're gonna place bets at this point mm. about who that could be, um, you know, like obviously Mephisto's still like, you know, st still a possibility. Mm. Um, he figures into um, you know, some stories that, you know, are are very integral to, you know, Wanda and you know, why she kind of has her giant breakdown in the comics that also involves Agatha. So, mm. you know, I, I would still, if they're going to pull any, you know, anyone else out of a hat at this point, uh, it would make a lot of sense for it to be Miss Mephisto. Right. Uh, okay. And, uh, you know, and, and I have, I even, you know, kind of have little sort of like guesses about how they could do that. Um, also, as you pointed out, as that theory that you kind of picked up on, points out there's Ultron. Yeah. So that's like, that's the top two, you know, ultimate baddies that I could think that they could actually okay. successfully pull out at this point. You know? Yeah. I'm, I'm, and I'm kind of keen for, for either or both or, you know, I, I'm, I'm just, basically, I, I think we kind of just want answers, don't we? we, we yeah. Kind of like, you know, really... We're finally getting some, mm. uh, you know, the, the reveal of Agatha, you know, really takes us a big step closer to having answers. Um, 
And, you know, they've got two more episodes to clear the rest of it up. Yeah. And we haven't even talked about the uh, little end, end, end yeah. credit scene. You know, the little mid, mid credit scene, I guess. So, so we get um, Rambo making her way to Agatha's house, trying to get in via the, uh, I don't know what you call those things, the outside basement things. Like bulkhead sort of thing or? Right, yeah, yeah. But I like the outside entry. They're almost like, um, it reminds me of places where they have tornadoes and they've got like a storm cellar, you know. Oh, yeah, it's, like, yeah. it's called a bulkhead. Yeah, okay, thank you. I, I'm not American. I, I don't know what these things are called. <laughs> we have a bulkhead. <laughs> um, Very handy. Yeah, and we get we get Monica trying to sneak in, and she's surprised by Pietro. Um, which did you now? Did you think after last week's, you know, him getting the zap from from Wanda and um, the the fact that he wasn't in the episode, right? Yeah, he wasn't in the episode. Monica, I mean, not Monica, Wanda. Um, tells the kids don't don't go near that man he's not your uncle yeah. and, you know, they're like well then who is he and she's like yeah she doesn't know we don't know she doesn't yeah. know um we still don't know so it'll be interesting to see who he turns out to be i wonder if he's ralph or yeah he could be ralph in, you know Right, yeah, her, you know, um, like the mysterious husband, Ralph. Husband, yeah. um, uh, or, you know, uh, I mean, right now he'd make a very good candidate for Mephisto. Sure. Um, or, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to rack my brains to think of characters who can shift their their form outside of the X-Men, of course, but um, who can shift their form to look like someone else. Because is it that, you know... Uh, Agatha has put a hex on everyone to make him think they're seeing Pietro, or is it that it is someone who's just shifted his form to look like a version of Pietro? And of course, the big question for me is why choose that version of Pietro and not Aaron Taylor Johnson? Maybe Aaron Taylor Johnson wasn't available. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that that's well. I think certainly there's an element of that. Um, mm. You know, like my, I'm, I'm still kind of just hoping that, like, that's Pietro, uh, but from you know, yeah, some okay. multiverse version of Pietro, so that we get to keep him in the Marvel universe. That's you know, right. like really, that would just tickle me pink if we kind of get to keep him as Quicksilver, and you know, so if I, they well, can like, I, make that happen, I'll be happy. I, I just don't know. I don't know. Um. But I think that kind of wraps it up for us. Again, I, I do want to mention Dan Bussey again because Dan signed up for um, the Patreon uh, today, which I want to say thank you very much for doing that, Dan. Um, if you'd like to join Dan and take a look at our Patreon, there are links below in the comment section, and uh, in the description rather, and up the top along the banner, there's a Patreon link. Um, so you, if you guys want to take a look at that, you can support us from as little as two quid a month. Um, and it goes all the way up to 8.50 a month where you get a comic sent to you every three months. And, and what I do is I pick out a, usually an indie comic issue one um, just to start you on a new series. Um, so, yeah, take a look at that. UK patrons only so far, though, because obviously the 
postage to anywhere else would kill uh, the whole point of it being a Patreon. <laughs> um, but yeah, guys, do take a look at that. You can leave us a comment below. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at The Comic Crush. You can find Liz on Twitter at Liz C. Jordan. You can find us on Instagram at The Comic Crush. And you can find us on Facebook, The Comic Crush. Um, so, yeah, if you, you check that out, there'll be constant updates there of everything that's going on on the website. We're going to be back here on Saturday next week. Liz, we've got some new shows starting next week. There's going to be a new sort of kind of comics only show that's that's coming um although that isn't with liz i'm afraid sorry liz <laughs> it's with someone else Bye. Um, okay. yeah you'll, you'll, you'll see that next week probably around wednesday i'm just finalizing details on that and of course we have from panels to pictures which is our movie and tv review show which uh, uh, on some points you will see liz on um also nikki and keith those guys are going to kind of be rotating and and popping on i'm really grateful to all my co-hosts who give up their time and and energy to, to come and do this and and you know i'm i'm really pleased to be able to get to do this with such wonderful co-hosts um and you are very um, lucky uh, well yeah <laughs> oh and, and then there's liz of course <laughs> liz as well. i also have to do it with liz um so you, you know it's not all gold <laughs> What, what, what can I? What can I tell you? Oh God! You can't always get what you want. Um, so <laughs> I don't mean it. And uh, of course, we have um, script and pencils, which is our creator review show. There are going to be more YouTube shows coming from the Comic Crush, so please look out for those. I've got a lot of stuff planned for the YouTube. Head over to the website for articles every week on comics. Um, Hopefully, it will get you into something new. <sighs> I'm exhausted now. <laughs> so that's it from us. Uh, we're going to be chatting again for the patrons, hopefully, uh, pretty soon after this. But, guys, thank you very much for tuning in. We will catch you next Saturday for one of the final two exciting episodes of The Scarlet Watch. We'll catch you next time on The Crush. Liz, goodbye. Bye. <laughs> See you, guys.